Eam is a podcast that proves women can still be strong and influential while being godly and humble. Eam streams anywhere you listen to your music and podcasts. If you like what you hear, visit our website, eamisher.wixsite.com for more resources. Hi, everybody. Hey, happy new year. Happy new year. Happy New Year, everyone. Let me get, let me just start off this um, this recording with a little story because I think it's so funny. But the first time that I went to confess to my current father of confession, I was so nervous because it was the first time that like I, I really wanted to do it properly. So I thought that meant if I excluded one detail, then that meant that I, I just like God would not forgive me. So I sat there and I listed him every single detail of every single sin and every single person I hurt. And by the end of it, it was like a good half an hour, like 45 minutes. And he just looked at me and he was like, wow, you're so, you're so honest. And I was like, what, is, what does that mean? I'm honest. So I went home and I told my mom and she's like, yeah, that was his way of saying like, stop talking. You, you said you, you spoke so much. And I thought to myself, honestly, I was like, do you have to say every single sin in order for it to be like forgiven? Which kind of leads us into today's topic, which is like our relationship with our father of confession, like how are we supposed to confess things like that and I'm actually really interested to hear like how you guys do it well the confession didn't come out of nowhere um it's biblically based and a lot of people have questions about things like a father of confession why do I need him or you know what value comes out of a relationship with him some people don't even know that you can have like a substantial relationship with your father of confession. So yeah, so let's see what the Bible says about it. And this is interesting because it was in the Old Testament, but it shows a lot of the truths that we still apply to the sacrament of confession today. This is in Second Samuel 12, uh, in the very first passage of the chapter. So this is after David, the prophet and the king at the time had committed his huge sin of the murder of Uriah and the um, essentially adultery with Bathsheba. And so God sends Nathan, the prophet to David. And it says in chapter 12, then the Lord sent Nathan to David and he came to him and said to him, there were two men in one city, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceedingly many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb, which he had bought and nourished, and it grew up together with him and with his children. It ate of his own food and drank from his own cup and lay in his bosom, and it was like a daughter to him. And a traveler came to the rich man who refused to take from his own flock and from his own herd to prepare one for the wayfaring man who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. So David's anger was greatly aroused against the man. And he said to Nathan, as the Lord lives, the man who has done this shall surely die. And he shall restore fourfold for the lamb because he did this thing and because he had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, you are the man. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your keeping, and gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that had been too little, I also would have given you so much more. Why have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? You have killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword. You have taken his wife to be your wife and have killed him with the sword of the people of Ammon. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. And a few verses later, David repents and says, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord has put away your sin, you shall not die. 
However, because by this deed you have given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also who was born to you shall surely die. Then Nathan departed to his own house. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. So long passage, but really, really powerful. I think very important um, points. I think three very important key points come out of this passage that teach us kind of the role of the father of confession in our repentance. Of course, God is omniscient. Of course, he knows everything. And he doesn't need someone in, as a middleman for him to hear our sins. He already knows our sins. But what is the point of a father of confession? What was the point of Nathan the prophet in the story? First of all, I think the, the first few verses, Nathan helps David realize his own sin. Oftentimes, we have no idea what our sin is. Oftentimes, we kind of uh, could tell our father of confession, I keep struggling, I keep falling into this. And he helps me, for example, identify triggers or ask me specific questions to probe further and help me find a solution. So that's one. And then also, Nathan makes clear the, the forgiveness of the Lord. So when David says, I have sinned against the Lord, Nathan the prophet verbalizes essentially the absolution for him. He tells him, the Lord has put away your sin, you shall not die. And this gives David a physical and a tangible assurance that he has been forgiven. And this parallels perfectly to what happens to us at the end of confession, right? Like that's what the priest does. That's his kind of job. Yeah, exactly. And... Uh, the last thing I was going to say was this confession is very, uh, very reminiscent of Karen's story where David didn't have to go through every single detail of what he has done. He very, very simply said, I have sinned against the Lord. And that was enough for his repentance because it was a true repentance from his heart. So to come back to your question, Karen, we don't have to um, say every single detail, but yes, of course, we have to repent and, and say every single sin that we have acknowledged and, and repented from. Yeah, thank God, honestly, because let's take it back for a second. If we really, truly think about the reasons that are keeping us from either confession or a relationship with your father of confession, the, the most heard, at least what I've heard, and you guys contribute, the things I've heard the most is like, it's awkward, he'll judge me. If that priest is also a sinner, then what's the point? Why a priest? Why that middleman? Why not just cut him out? And a lot of people like to say that if... Why can't I just talk to Christ directly? Because he already knows, right? If he's all-knowing, like Maria mentioned before, then he already knows my sins. However, it's funny because if he knows, if you if you believe that he's all-knowing and he's present in all things in, in you, then you wouldn't have sinned in the first place, right? So it's because there's that yeah, stuff <laughs> yeah it's so true. it's because yeah it's because we there are times in our lives where we choose or or sometimes it's you know subconsciously we choose to believe that he's not there or we kind of block him out certain moments we act like he isn't yeah yeah that is the moment where we fall into sin and then going back to Karen's whole thing about and Maria's uh, about that whole you don't have to go into detail. Yeah, in 2 Samuel David's confession was super straightforward because the relationship here is actually a beautiful one between you and your father's confession. It's one where excuses aren't necessary. Excuses, reasons, whatever you really want to call it. But they aren't necessary. Why? Because since we believe that God is all-knowing and all-present, then he already knows why we've committed these sins. We don't need to say it. Mm -hmm. It's actually a blessing that Christ has allowed us or given us someone like a priest to confess to because he knows that we're so limited that we need something tangible. We need something that we can see a person, a person that we can see and, and, and like 
something that we can touch is very tangible a setting in which we can like all our senses are stimulated he knows that that's what we need in order to first of all like confess but second of all someone that will keep us accountable like that because i feel like if you, if you think about it the reason i think that if for those people who ask why we can't just confess to christ in my mind it's a very easy way out because when we're confessing to quote unquote thin air like that i think it becomes so much easier for us because we don't believe that christ is there truly and that is what causes us to sin in the first place but if we have that person that we can see with our eyes then it keeps there's a sense of accountability to it it gets harder and that difficult that level of difficulty makes it so that you think about this and next time you try and commit it you know i totally agree like even looking at david he's a man after god's own heart this is like after david's whole righteousness appeared in front of saul and as a shepherd and entire in his entire life um yet he wasn't really aware of his sin because he had sinned so many times and it became this vicious cycle um that you know, he needed someone there to mentor him. And this idea of mentorship is so important in every aspect of our lives. We use mentors for our academic standing, our coaching, physically, everything. So why not have a spiritual mentor, mentor who would be able to guide us? And like you said, Natalie, it's like God takes the tongue of the priest and the hand of the priest so that he can visibly and tangibly show us the absolution, just like he does through communion. It's not the priest giving us his body or blood. It's the priest giving us Christ's body and blood. So the priest just acts as a witness to the sacrament. Right. St. John Chrysostom, um, in his book on priesthood, uh, he writes, priests have received a power which God has given neither to angels nor archangels. It was said to them, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you shall loose shall be loosed. And temporal rulers have the power of binding, but they can only bind the body. Priests, in contrast, can bind with a bond which pertains to the soul and transcends the very heavens. So why would you not want a relationship with someone like that? Yes, and I wanted to add, actually, Father Anthony Masiha talks about how sometimes when we look at the mystery of matrimony, for example, we just see um, the bride and the groom and that's it. And okay, they're they're married now, but there's a lot of things going on um, that doesn't meet the eye. So what he's saying, it's, it's kind of similar in the mystery of confession, um, we're not just sitting in front of a priest and just saying our sins to a man. No, we're, we're before the throne of the Most High God and we're recounting our sins and we're washing our soul. Like that's what's going on in our confession. And um, what's interesting is uh, Bishop Benjamin, he said, um, confession is where the Holy Spirit takes the action of our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross and applies it to the sin of the individual. So what's nice about what's nice about that and what that means is we are it's it's kind of like a, a second baptism every single time we um we confess. We're making our soul pure again and we are reuniting with God and it's a it's a beautiful thing. Like I think I think we should really treasure our relationship we have with our Father of Confessions. Yeah. It's such a beautiful quote you mentioned. And when you put it in that perspective, you kind of realize the awkwardness maybe or the shame or the fear that you might feel with a human father confession is kind of compared so little to the huge grace that you would receive as a second baptism. Um, and just to to kind of 
always like we always complain that we can't hear God's voice. We don't know what God's will is, but he's such a perfect person who will declare to us, you know, God's voice, who will help us and help us grow, help us um, really get to know the mind of Christ. And And he's praying for us in every single liturgy. He's praying for us. And uh, it's just amazing to know that we have someone who is guiding us, who um, has walked with the Lord much longer than we have and knows him, knows the Lord well, and and can give us some advice based on the scripture and based on Mm -hmm. the church. And that's his sole job. Like you will find people, servants who have left an impact on you or spiritual mentors, whoever it may be, that can guide you. But a priest, his sole job is to um, guide you and to pray for you and and to be that vehicle in which you are absolved through. So really, who are you going to find that cares that much, that it's his sole job? And that's why I feel like it's so crucial. Like we talked about the the whole confession sacrament part of it. But now I really want to focus on the relationship part of it. I think that's why it's so crucial to your spiritual life and for your eternal life to have such a solid relationship with him because he is the guide. I was just saying this to somebody uh, I was talking to yesterday. I was saying, I was saying we have so many plans for our life, right? So we know exactly what career we want to go to, or for the most part, we know what we like, what we don't like. We know what courses we need to enroll in. We know what jobs we need to apply to in order to get to certain things. And and I was even saying yesterday to that friend, I was saying, even for an outing, if we ever have like some kind of motive, we even plan the rides and we plan how we're going to get there. And don't worry, I'll pick you up. I'll drop you off. But do we have those same exact detailed plans to get to eternal life? Because I don't. You know, like I haven't sat down and thought about it. And he is kind of like your blueprint. Like he helps you build that. And then someone who you tell your deepest, darkest things to. I can easily say that my father of confession knows more about me than anybody because he knows the deepest, darkest things about me. And so when it comes to life decisions, like later on, he will have a perfect and whole understanding of you that will really help guide you to get to that eternal life it's important and then that guidance can take the shape of anything he can be um your father figure right going back to that dear mom and dad podcast um he could be therapeutic in nature and we're so lucky that we now have so much like a really broad access to them they're not unapproachable anymore right they we have their numbers for the most part and They're very accessible people. So I would say this is a blessing and we have to take advantage of it. And I mean, like, if you have not seen your father of confession, pause this recording and make an appointment or call him or message him or whatever it is, because you don't want to miss out on something that is so crucial, so pertinent. Okay, so I I totally agree. You know, he is a blessing and he is a mentor and he is uh, sent by God to us, you know, and, and placed. But he's a sinner. So how do I, how do I rely on him to bind and loose? And that idea kind of kept meddling in my mind and I never really understood it. In Matthew 16, 19, Jesus tells St. Peter, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound on heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. And this authority is extended to every priest until today through the sacrament of priesthood. So what does that mean? (laughs) So I searched up a a lot of things and really interesting things that came up is 
this idea of binding and loosing is a special grace that is given by God to the priest um, through their ordination. But it's not about the priest forgiving you because we've already established God does the forgiveness. It is the Holy Spirit who does the grace. The priest is there to pray and to witness that the sacrament has happened. And just as a side point, this idea of witnessing is actually from the early church. In Acts and in James, it said, uh, confess your sins to, to the elders of the church. And back then they used to do it in front of the entire church. So talk about awkwardness then. <laughs> so thank God that now it's just been replaced by uh, just doing it to the priest. Um, very interesting. Apparently people from the community who weren't Christians would come and watch the confessions happen just out of curiosity after a while. Oh, so we were like, okay, bad. we need to cut this <laughs> and that's we bad. just need to keep it to the priest. But anyway, so we know it is biblical. We know it's sacramental. And the idea is that this binding and loosing is that the priest distinguishes. He has a role of just of, of pure distinction of whether the sin has been forgiven or not. And that, again, is the idea of mentorship because he helps you identify whether you're truly repenting or not. If you're not truly repenting, it's not him who refuses to forgive. It is God who, of course, will not forgive. Um, and this idea of uh, he's a sinner, uh, a lot of the church fathers will say, and, and this is said even in, in the absolutions that he says in his uh, like silently, um, human frailty does not hinder the working of grace purely as is. Um, this is said in both the absolution in the liturgy, which is the same absolution for after the confession. He says, remember, O Lord, my own weakness, forgive my many sins, where transgression has abounded, let your grace be multiplied in abundance. And because of my own sins, deprive not your people of the grace of your Holy Spirit. Wow, that's so beautiful. I love that. That's actually a, a beautiful quote, Maria. Um, I want to touch on this human frailty aspect of it, because I think that's a huge reason why most people stray away from confession or having a relationship with their father of confession is because, well, if I could sin, then so can he. And so that means he could judge me. And that means, and I actually have a story. Oh God. Okay. Um, but basically I committed a really bad sin. I was putting it off for multiple confessions and it just kept like weighing down on me. And I was, I, I had, had enough. I was like, okay, I'm going to book and I am going to say it. So I was waiting nervously, you know, the whole like nail biting, anxiety ridden wait before mm -hmm. he comes out and calls your name. Um, anyways, I go in, I sit down and I flat out tell him. So I did something really bad and I've been putting it off. I can't say what it is. Like I literally cannot even have the, like come up with words to communicate it. And to be honest, I'm afraid of your face. <laughs> and then he went, what do you mean? And I was like, you make this face, you make this face. And it scares me. It scares me because I feel like it, it's very like, it's like a judgy reaction. And I feel like if I say this sin and then you give me that face, I'm never going to feel like I can say anything ever again which scares me. Like, I feel like it, it's really going to threaten our relationship. And he was like, okay. So I was like, okay, so I'm just going to say it. So I say it. And the entire time I'm like, you guys know me blabbering. I'm like blabbering. And he keeps making different faces at me. So I, after I say this in and I'm like done with my whole spiel, I, I'm like, what are you doing? And he goes, oh, I'm just, I'm just trying to figure out what face it is that I make. And he turned it into such a lighthearted moment that I was not scared anymore. And I didn't feel judged and I didn't feel like this threatened, 
like it wasn't threatening anymore maybe this was just i had the luck of the trade with my father of confession and he's just a really great guy <laughs> but i feel like in general professional description you know job description is i they're, they're not going to make you feel uneasy whatever it is you need to say say it because also i realized that day that the burden i had carrying that sin throughout multiple confessions it got heavier each time and that burden was not worth it was not worth it because i felt like i was going to get judged or or whatever it was that was making me avoid saying it at the time it was just not worth keeping that burden and like you guys all know that feeling walking out of confession right so what is this like feeling judged or what are any of these excuses compared to that feeling when you walk out and and that's not like a new concept either that's not like a purely orthodox christian concept it's the world tells us this too right like when you get something really heavy off your chest you're gonna feel mm -hmm. like light as a feather and like a million bucks so it's the same thing yeah and like even on just human terms then why not relieve yourself of that burden with someone who you know 100% will not disclose it to anyone else. Someone who's 100% trustworthy and loves you for no other reason except for loving you. Yeah, and I really want to like drive home this point that you can be that straightforward with your father's confession. It doesn't have to be like prim and proper each time. You yeah. can be honest and be like, hey, listen, I don't feel comfortable anymore. Or I feel like our relationship has changed here. Or, you know, you can you can tell him this, have like a conversation about it. A and it will be like, he's so receptive to these, these things. He will listen. You can kind of argue with him the advice that he gives. Just tell him like, Abuna, this hasn't been working for me. What else can I do? Or discuss with him, you know, be open. Okay, so what next? Book. Go book an appointment. <laughs> yes, go book an appointment. If you haven't seen him lately, go see him. And if you've never seen a father of confession before... I am urging you to, not because you're a sinner and you need to confess and not because it's a sacrament, but because you're missing out on such a golden relationship that I, I think you need to start and it's it's gonna do so many things for you. It's also it's also the only relationship where you are the one you are the prime like you are the only person that will benefit from this relationship. It's completely one sided mm -hmm. in the sense that you get all of the guidance, the love. Yeah. Yeah. You get all of the benefits. Itself. Yeah. You get all the benefits. Like, why else is he in it? What else is he in it for? You know, nothing. Also, I suggest read up on their job description. <laughs> what Christ has to say about priests, what the church fathers have said. Again, we have resources on our website that you guys can definitely go check out. But if you are unsure, if you don't know, then then read up on it yeah and and final thing i would say just remember that satan keeps tempting us with saying god will never forgive you from a sin and when you finally overcome his horrible temptations and you do confess and repent he still makes you doubt and he says no but was it really forgiven and the father of confession is the most perfect way for god to make us sure that we have been forgiven he pronounces the absolution verbally he's there tangibly to remind us that we have been forgiven so he provides us this assurance um and even like the uh, avoiding this danger of despair that we could fall into from feeling that we're not forgiven and if you feel like anything is still holding you back 
whether it's the sin that is on your mind and on your heart and you just can't get yourself to say it, whatever it may be that is holding you back from that relationship and and keeping that sacrament, just weigh it out with the feeling of being absolved after. And if you don't know what that feeling is like, I think you should try it out. Yeah. And and the the belief, the faith that we are forgiven. Like mm-hmm. we we don't fully rely our faith on feeling. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Thank you, my Lord Jesus, for allowing us to discuss about the beautiful sacrament of repentance and confession that you have um, put in place for us so that we can unite with you again and wash our souls so that we may have you rest within us as you rest within your saints. Lord, I ask you to encourage us to repent give us inflame our hearts with a desire to come back to you lord and not stand a second away from you i ask you lord to please inspire us all to inspire us to to just um to go to our father of confessions and be completely honest with them and not worried about what they might think of us or um all the little worries that might come into our minds uh, that the devil might put in our heads uh, to hinder us from, from washing our souls clean from our sins. I ask you, Lord, to, to help us have that honest and candid conversation with, that, with our priest. And um, I ask you, Lord, to strengthen him as well in his service to the congregation, strengthen all of our Father of Confessions during this time. And um please uh, please open the church up for your people again amen through the intercessions of saint mary archangel michael saint tecla um i'll change this but um because really pray thankfully our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not to temptation but deliver us from the evil one in christ jesus our lord for thine is the kingdom the power and the glory forever and ever amen if you liked what you heard today visit our website emisher.wixsite.com slash my site for links to the resources used to prepare for these episodes Have a question? Want to suggest a topic? Write us on our website. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you are listening to this and follow us on our Instagram and Facebook pages. Please keep us in your prayers. God bless.